Welcome to Beyond Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Petralis, and we are really excited for another great guest. And again, we're continuing our journey into the world of high school basketball. Um, and before we do that, I just want to thank a couple of coaches. Uh, Coach Jane Keene of Malden Catholic Girls Basketball gave me some nice team swag, sent me in the mail, and I, I want to give a shout out to him, as well as Megan Olson, a head lacrosse coach at Medford High School, sent me some awesome Medford Girls lacrosse gear. Uh, so I just want to give a shout out to those two past coaches, great, great people, great coaches great program so I, I thank you for that um, but today's guest uh, an incredible guest an incredible guest I'm just going to read off a few accolades about this coach so you understand you know, the, the world that we're going to be in today um, this coach is the current uh, head girls basketball coach at Hanover High School since 2005 was the mass basketball coaches um, coach of the year in 2015-2016 season um, and also in 2015-2016 had a 20-0 and regular season um, um, and we know as coaching world, no matter what sport it is, going undefeated in the regular season, uh, it, it takes a great leadership and it takes a great squad. And, you know, it's kind of accumulation of a lot of different things. So I'm really excited to dive into that with coach tonight. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the head coach of Hanover High School girls basketball team, Brian Fisher. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for good. coming on the show. We really appreciate hey, no. it. Thanks for having me. This is great. It's a great opportunity. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to kind of dive right into it. So, you know, I, I usually ask my guests the first question is just how they kind of got into the world of coaching. But, you know, for people that might know you uh, personally or, you know, know the world that you, you come from, you know, your dad is a legendary high school basketball coach. Uh, he had over 600 wins. I mean, I have a couple of things written down right here. 600 wins. He was also won the Lifetime Achievement Award for the Boston Amateur Basketball Club, which is incredible. Uh, and he's included in four different Hall of Fames the New England uh, Basketball Association Hall of Fame, the Mass Coaches Hall of Fame, the Bentley, and the Rockland um, Athletics Hall of Fame. So um, you come from a great prodigy of basketball. So I just, I'm going to give you a chance to give you the floor here to say, you know, how did you get your coaching start and where to come from? Yeah, well, it, you know, as you kind of mentioned, it's, it's, it runs in the blood, um, <laughs> obviously. Uh, and you mentioned my dad being in the Bentley Hall of Fame. And actually, uh, he was one of the first captains at Bentley College. It was Bentley College before it was Bentley University. And he started the uh, basketball program, helped start the basketball program at Bentley, at Bentley College. So um, he's a well-known figure up there. We, uh, he has a camp every summer up there. So, um, so it's interesting you bring up the, the, the Bentley because um, that, there's that connection there. But as for me, as I said, it, it uh, it, you know, it runs in the family. Um, my dad, obviously, he's been coaching. Uh, he's won two state championships, uh, 1972 uh, with uh, Rockland, and I believe I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on this the second year, but it was in the 2000s. Um, so growing up around that atmosphere, uh, you know, always going to the games. And I remember um, when he was coaching at, you know, Rockland, um, Rockland has two gyms. They have a front gym and they have a, uh, they have a back gym. And I remember going up to the games and then, you know, we'd go in the back gym and we'd just kind of shoot around, you know, with some of my buddies, some of the friends. Um, so I never really watched his games, but I was always around the game uh, while he was coaching up at Rockland High School. So it was a great opportunity um, for me to, to, to be up there. Uh, now I'm actually teaching at Rockland High School, so kind of following in his his footsteps in that in that sense. But um, you know, it, it, growing up in that atmosphere, um, seeing him coaching, um, I've obviously played basketball. Uh, I played at Sacred Heart in Kingston, um, which is no longer uh, no longer there. And um, I played up through my junior year. 
uh, and uh, I was very close with the Rockland kids. Um, my grandparents and you know my everyone on my mom's side was from Rockland, and my dad being up in Rockland, so Rockland was like my home away from home, my second home. So I was friends with a lot of the the kids on, on the Rockland team, and while I was at Sacred Heart, um, you know, I played through my junior year um, and then um, had kind of a little run-in with the coach um, at, the, at the time and, um, you know, and actually end up quitting that year. Uh, and that was 2000, and I'm sorry, 2000, that was 93. I ended up quitting in 93. Uh, and I was so afraid to quit because I was like, oh, I'm going to tell my dad this and he's going to be disappointed. But he was very, very supportive of it. He understood why. Um, but that gave me an opportunity my senior year to help hang, you know, be with my friends up at Rockland, but also help him coach uh, as my senior year. So, I, you know, I went and I, and I scouted basketball games with him, um, you know, or, you know, I went to different places. Um, so I really, you know, got my foot, feet wet at, at that point. And again, I was just kind of like a, you know, like probably a scout or just a kind of an observer, you know, but, um, it still was, it was still an awesome experience. I remember going to games with uh, my dad uh, and then Tom Bailey, his assistant, longtime assistant coach. Um, and that really, you know, kind of got me going and, and got me interested. And I've always been involved uh, with basketball. Um, and then in 96, I'd gone to Johnson State up in Vermont. Um, it's, I think it's a, you know, I think it's a University of Vermont at Johnson now, I think, I'm not sure. Um, and I went up there for two years. Um, and in 1996, my dad's longtime assistant, Tom Bailey, um, had an opportunity to coach um, at Plymouth South High School. And he did not want to take the job unless he would have, he would get me if I was interested to be his assistant coach. My dad really encouraged him to do it. Um, and, and he was like, I'll do it as long as, you know, your son, you know, will we'll do it. So he called me, talked to me about it. And I was like, I'm, I'm in, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm in. So, um, so I got my start as a JV coach um, at uh, Plymouth South High School. And I was there for um, a couple of years. Um, my dad had at that time, he had retired from basketball. He, he stepped away for a couple of years to watch my brother play. My brother played at Marshfield High School. Um, and he actually, my brother, um, I, I would think it was maybe it was 98 uh, or 97. Um, his team went 20-0 and 0 as well. Um, and they're Division I. And Division I is, is, is tough. So they go 20-0 and 0 and you play the lower seed. And it, the lower seed happened to be BC High. <laughs> so that's not an easy, you know, it, when you're undefeated. And they end up losing that game. But my dad had taken time off. And that's why Bales was the coach at, at Plymouth South. Um, and then after my brother graduated, um, he got uh, his alma mater at Quincy. So he went up to Quincy High School. Um, and while he was at Quincy High School, I helped out. Um, did the, I did the freshman. Uh, helped out with the JV program while he was there. And then in 03, I got a call from Hanover High School. Um, and actually, no, he wasn't up in, was it Quincy at that time? No, I think it was Quincy was a little bit later. So I might have my, my I think I have my dates wrong because I know in um, 2003, 
Um, I believe I was the, I had the book somewhere too, but I was the, the freshman coach um, at Hanover High School. Um, and then the, was it the following year? It's, it's so, it's so long ago, it, you know, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. one year I was a fre the freshman coach at Rockland and my dad was still the athletic director there. Um, and that was before he'd gone, it had to have been before he'd gone to Quincy cause he would be an athletic director at Rockland and coach up in Quincy. Yeah, listen, um, you've been coaching for so many years, you know, you, yeah, every year it, seems the same and every, it I get it. I get it. <laughs> it does. So I, I, I know, um, I, I, cause I did, was at Hanover, um, in 2003 as a freshman coach and then 2004 um i believe i was the rockland i was at the rockland freshman coach and that following year fran coyle who was the athletic director at hanover high school um called me and he said look there's an opening for um at the varsity level i really would love to have you take that responsibility on um and course you know being around coaching and this is you know big opportunity and I was like yeah I am all on board I'd be happy to do it um and I was able to you know start my journey at Hanover High School in 2005 and to get to where I am right now so <laughs> and that's you know, kind of a long story but there's a long history <laughs> yeah absolutely you know and I think it's really cool the, the one thing that just really stood out to me is being able to, you know, see your dad growing up. I mean, I was lucky enough to have a guest on a few weeks back, Bryce Gilbo. He's the head football coach at Old Rochester High School. And he was able to coach with his dad. He coached under his dad and then eventually took over the program at Old Colony that his dad was the head coach. So I got to ask him this question, and I didn't think I'd be able to ask a lot of guests this question. So it's just nice that this opportunity pops back up. But, you know, as a young man, I mean, talk about you mentioned your senior year, like kind of going under the wings of your dad and learning a different aspect of the game of basketball basketball talk about seeing your dad dad the dad right at home and who he was but also getting the best of both worlds and getting dad the coach young you know motivating young men um in a, in a basketball program and seeing how kids are very loyal to him i mean talk about growing up and seeing that that must be really cool to see your dad and you know kind of completely two different lights Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, growing up, I mean, he just, he was always supportive. I mean, he's always been a family man, um, you know, and, and he, his teams are, are, are you know, are, are built on, you know, that family atmosphere. And I've kind of taken that into mind that, you know, we're a family, we, we, we do this together. Um, but, you know, as a dad, you know, he would, he, he would get me into basketball camps. He would, you know, just be just a great, great dad. Um, you know, and, and we, you know, we went to Disney, you know, many times as a family, and it, it, it's you know it was awesome to get that opportunity and then my senior year to get that opportunity to coach with which I wasn't expecting because um, it was kind of just all of a sudden just to really and I, I see I saw him before coaching you know obviously but just to be a part of it and and to see what goes on behind the scenes and and you know his practice uh, preparation like I you see it a little bit of it at home but you see it more when I was with him uh, that, that my senior year. Um, and that's where I learned, you know, to, to be able to observe other teams and scout other teams. I got a lot, you know, I got a lot done. So to see two sides, um, you know, when he was yelling and all that other stuff at his kids, it was no different than what sometimes what he would do at home, you know, but it, but it was, it was a different, you know, it, it was a different way. Not that he yelled all the time. Um, cause he never did, you know, at, at, at home, but just, that when he's angry or, you know, upset to see, you know, two sides, it's like, whoa, wait a second, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, so, but it was that, but that's his, that's his competitive 
instinct and uh you know and and that's the way that he's always he's always coached and he he gets that respect um from that and and it was it's just great to you know to to, to do that i mean again we were growing up i mean it was a great family just to just to be there me and my brother um you know he never really put any pressure on me to play basketball um even though I played because I did love the sport. I wasn't the best player either, uh, but I played and I went hard. I worked hard. And then just to see him in that coaching aspect, it's, it, it, again, it, he's like a father figure too for those, for the boys, for those kids. Um, so, you know, is there, there is a difference between, you know, dad is dad and then dad is as the coach, but over, it's the same mentality. And he wants the best for his kids. He wants the best for us as a family. Um, and, and to see that translate, I mean, that's, I, that's a big part of his success and he knows how to get that out of everyone including you know me and my brother and, and all that and, and his kids he, he gets the best out of everyone he makes them makes them believe makes them um it's just it's just he's just blessed with that talent with that gift um and that you know he's he just ha you know receives all that respect and obviously he's got over 600 and 50 wins you know at this point so it, it you know it definitely translates over yeah and, and it's just cool i mean at the end of the day you got the best of the both worlds with him and you know we're going to talk about the success you've built because you've built a, a quite a successful program and uh, you know we're going to break your program or at least this interview up kind of into four different parts mm -hmm. of your coaching career so you know I, when i when i first started researching there were so many things that popped up to me but you know i kind of broke down the last you know you know i think it's 15 years you want 15 or 16 years of your coaching yeah, career? 15, yeah. 15 years so yeah. you know you, over the last 15 years you've done a lot of incredible things in, in this run and you yeah. know the one thing I want to talk about is right from the beginning and and you know year one you took over this program in Hanover and you went 11 and 9 you made the playoffs but just to read the stats here I mean so 11 and 9 um, 05, 06, 06, 07 you went 16 and 7, 07, 08, 15 and 5, 08, 09, 14 and 8, 2009, 2010 you went 15 and 5. That's a 71 and 35 record. I mean that's pretty impressive coach. You've doubled the amount of wins and you had losses. Um, so talk about that early success you had coming into the program. I mean what did you kind of make it that was yours um, and, and really kind of that first run that you had your first five years of coaching? Well, you know, the first couple of years when I was coaching, obviously it, you, you take, you, you, it helps to have the players. And, and when I inherited the program and I took the program, I had some, uh, some great players at that time. Um, Leslie Gennard um, happened to be one. She was a, she was a sophomore, uh, Jess Leroy. So I had like some really nice, I mean, that team, um, you know, Brittany Sutton, you know, I, I could go, I could, look my reference my book in a few minutes but that team was you know that was a that was a really good special team um and i think that first year we we, we probably could have been better but it was new to me it was my first year as a coach and it was new to the kids so there's a new you know it's like a changing of the guard so it took a long time for um for it to, for that to to get through um and and all i really did that first year was you just i just i pushed the defense i'm you know was positive i brought the intensity um i wanted to the, get the, the kids to see like i put all this effort in and i want the kids wow coach you know puts all this effort in to get us prepared to get us ready you know we want to do that we and and that was kind of the what i wanted to instill on the kids that first year was, you know, we can do this. We got to do it together. 
it's a learning curve, you know, but we're going to, as long as we get better game by game, you know, practice by practice, you know, that's, that's the mentality that I, that I want them to do. So we were always trying to get better, but I was very intense, you know, we, you know, still am, you know, you push them, you run, you do, you know, all sorts of drills, you want the best out of them. Um, my dad and most coaches, you know, basketball coaches, you know, preach defense. And that was, that's kind of my MO is, is the defense. And as you kind of have in your notes, we'll talk about, you know, points for and points against with our defense and Currently this year, the last couple of games, our defense has been really, really well. But that's one thing that I pride myself on. And I think that's one thing the kids in the program, um, they know to expect that, okay, we're going to go and we are going to be a strong defensive team. He is going to push us defensively. Um, and, and, and that's what I, that's what I have. And, and then so after that first year, things kind of settled down a little bit. And again, I had talent, you know, and the first year was an adjustment for me. My, my assistant coach at the time was, um, was Dave Jacob. Um, and I had kept him along because he knew the kids. I had been in Hanover the year before and I knew some of the kids, but he knew them. He was a teacher in the school. He was a, he's the, he's the coach in the school, you know, for volleyball. And he, so I kept him aboard. Um, and then my freshman coach was another teacher in the school. She was, she's been really good, but just to get that connection and to bring in that relationship, like, okay, tell me about this kid, you know, what does this kid do? Or what is that? You know, and that was really important my first couple of years because I wanted to have some consistency still in the program. So it's not like something completely different. So the transition, it's not, you know, there's a familiar face in there for the kids. Um, and then after that first year with the success that we had, we went down to old Rochester and we lost to old Rochester and old Rochester was really good that year. Uh, we lost to them by about nine points, but we battled and battled and battled. And it's a long ride down to old Rochester, but the kids got a taste of something. You know, they got a taste of it and then they wanted more. And the, the, the younger class, you know, class, they was like, this is, this is great. And then next year we come out and we're just gelling together. You know, we, I, I put, you know, summer leagues and fall leagues, the kids were just playing all the time. And that helps build the momentum going into the, to that first couple of years there. And, you know, again, we had, I had the players and I had some great coaches. And one of the things that I have always said, um, it to me is you're only as good as who is around you and my assistant coaches might have been uh, uh, unbelievable for me and, and they make me who I am you know as well as obviously I get some inside stuff from you know <laughs> my dad too uh, you know I go to him all the time but as a program you know I, I my, my coaches have been strong and 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 I love having that that consistency right there. And then as I said, I know I've said it many times, but the players, it's the players, it's the players. And in high school, it's funny because you go in stages, you go in rotation. So you could have four years where you're really good. And then for the next three years, you step back. I mean, it's just the way that it goes, whether, whether you want that to happen or not, you're just, Every high school team, uh, you know, unless you're like Braintree of, you know, the past or, you know, Archbishop Williams of those, you're going to go through those, those seasons. Um, but you just got to keep them positive and you got to keep them focused and moving forward.
Yeah. And I, and I find that's what's so amazing about that run is kind of what you said, like you created an identity, right. And that's defensively. And there's nothing like you said, getting a taste of the playoffs and these girls wanting more, you know, they look back on that game and maybe, you know, you had a couple tough possessions or a couple calls that didn't go your way. And you're like, we were right there with this team. And for the girls, it builds that level of confidence. Um, and it really kind of, they, now they look at you and they're like, this is the captain of our ship. And he, this is the direction that we're going. So I think that's awesome of building that tough mentality of we're going to be a tough draw or a tough team no matter what or who we play and that's going to be our reputation throughout and as you see and we're going to talk in the numbers later I mean that's exactly kind of what you've built um, but you mentioned something really great too um, is you do have spurts and there are years in which you do struggle so after that five-year run you had a couple of seasons that you were back-to-back seven you know seven eight win seasons um, and, and, you know, like you said, talent has something to do with it. But maybe as a coach, what did you learn the most about yourself maybe struggling on those couple of years and maybe something you changed about your approach a little bit that now catapulted you kind of into the second run that we'll talk about in a little bit? So when you have those years, again, you want your kids just going hard. You want you know, you said reputation. We built that reputation that, that first four years. So even in those down years, when we were eight and, you know, eight and 12 or, you know, seven and you know, seven and 13 and in those down years, teams knew and we knew that you're coming into our place or we're going in your place and we're going to give you a battle. We're going to give it your all. We, you know, we're not as talented as we were in the past, you know, and then you're up and coming, but it's going to be a fight. You know, and that was the reputation. Everyone knows that, oh boy, when you get into Hanover, you, you, you're going to be in for a fight. Um, and that was, you know, keeping those kids. The hardest part about those seasons is, is when you're losing them and just trying to keep them focused and, and, trying, to, and trying to just be like, it, it, you know, we've got to so get better. Whether we make the tournament or not, it, you know, maybe we're not at that stage yet, but we've got to get better. If we can get better each game, if we can get better, um, you know, in each practice, that's what we want. But we want to keep that reputation that we're going to give you a game regardless of, of, of what happens. So, yeah, we were seven and 13, but I'm sure there are teams in that seven and 13 that are good teams that we battled, you know, to five, six points. We, we hung around in the game. And, and, and I, I, I remember talking to coaches after those runs, like, Oh man, you got your kids just work hard. Your kids work hard. Your kids are just, they're, they're just tough. And, and, and that, you know, that, that's important. And, and so when you have those losing seasons, it's, it's again, keeping the kids positive. Like that's it. when you're losing things just don't go well, you know, and especially if you lose four or five games in a row, you know, kids are like, oh, but you got to be positive. You got to maintain that. Like you can't show frustration as a coach but you got to be positive. We're like, it's all right. Hey, Oh, what do we, we got three offensive fouls that game. Great. You know, let's build on that. So those are the things that, you know, when you have those seasons you do and you, and you just look for, you know, getting better each time. Yeah. And, and I love what you said because, you know, you also don't shy away from teams that you play non-league either. So you play in a tough league, you know, that you've won six times, right. 
But with that being said, you've also had battles and you've been second place a bunch of times in, the, in that league too. So obviously there's competition there and you're playing those teams minimum two games. And then, you know, you're not afraid to, to, to book opponents that are tough, that are up in division and so on and so forth, which we'll talk about later. So like you said, that 7-13, and 8-12 and 12 can be misconceiving if, you know, or, you know deceiving really if, if, if you're saying like, yeah, you know, we lost six games by seven or less points. You know, if, even if you win half of those games, you're in the, you know, you're in a playoff. So so, um, yeah, absolutely. And, and so I always find that intriguing of what you learn about yourself a little bit and you just kind of, you know, tr- really trying to continue what you build in your program, even if you don't have the horses that you maybe had before. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, sorry to cut you off, you know, no. but, it, and then you, you, you do the research, you, you keep thinking, okay, what am I going to do? Where can I put this team? in to get success what are my strengths on this team what are the strengths we know we're, we're you know defense has been our been our you know is what we hang our hats on all the time but it's like okay where am i going to put them in a position to to try to succeed or to, to try to get better so you know oh maybe i look at this play or maybe we should you know go zone instead of man or maybe you know depending on that so as a coach you have those seasons and you really dig deep you're like all right you know and that makes you better because you get more of a knowledge of the game because you're trying to figure out what's going to be best for your team so you're pulling in you're watching film you're watching you know whether you're watching the like the championship videos that they have on you know presses or man-to-man and 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 you want to instill that in there so you get your work cut up, but it's, it's, but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the best part about the game, especially when you're coaching the game, it's just those little things that, you know, you want to get better at that, you know, it can work and to mm-hmm. see that happen. It's great. And, you know, in some of those seasons too, you're playing younger kids, you know, you might've lost and graduated a big class and you have a lot of kids that are inexperienced. So you're trying to also get them experience. And sometimes the best way we learn is having not having success first to figure out how we have to get there to have that success. So I think it's good for those girls and, you know, build up your program. So you mentioned your styles defensively and, you know, I'm guessing you kind of throw all sorts of defenses and maybe sounds like a lot of press, but talk about your style on both sides of the ball. You can start with defense, but you know, what are you defensively? And as a result of, if you are that press defense in your face defense, how good is your transition offense off of turnovers or quick rebounds and getting up Mm -hmm. the court? Yeah, so you know, defensively, it, it it's funny defensively because we, we try to cater your defense to depending on on, on the team that is like this year, especially you know, and it, we haven't pressed much. I didn't press much the last couple of years either, because I just thought our strength was not pressing. You know, our strength is getting back, playing half court, man to man defense. Um, and so you make that adjustment. Now, when you have the horses to go full court and you have the, the, the consistency kind of off the bench where you can throw kids in there, then you, then you kind of change your style a little bit. You're like, all right, we can extend it. Uh, you know, in any game when you're down, obviously, late and you're, you're still within the game, you're going to press a little bit to see if you can get any, any momentum going or, you know, to kind of go things around. But like every day at practice what we you know we've been doing this year and we did last year is we work on the the shell defensive drill and and you know we're at the point right now this year and now I'm jumping ahead to this year but this is kind of the way that it is is every year is with me and my assistant now you know the kids know the basics of the of the shell and they've they've been up it but we're talking about you know we're trying to iron it out so like today we were talking about um you know getting you know going over the screens or we were talking about um it, when when cutters come across the lane, instead of turning your back, just turn your head quickly or whatnot. So it's little things like that where we you build on 
to start, the slides, the help, where you're going to be. Um, but now we're at the point where we're good at, at that. So now we can pay attention to the other details, you know, the more advanced details and the kids understand that. So that's always been my philosophy in terms of defense. Um, and, and again, it depends on the horses, you know, that I have. I, 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 we have a very good defensive team this year. We've had, we had a very good defensive team last year. We're always, you know, pretty good defensively. Um, but I just don't think that I have the right team to really press that much. Um, but, you know, next year, you know, looking, you know, look further uh, with some of the kids that we have coming back and some of the kids coming up, I think we can be a pressing team. So it, it, it varies from year to year. And offensively, you know, whatever, whatever's going to put the kids in the best position, you know, we're going to do that. You mentioned transition. We, we love to get out and transition. But a lot of times when we get in the transition, you know, we end up turning the ball over and then you give up a possession and that the turnovers are, are killer because because you, you're giving you're you're taking away a possession from your your team and you're giving the other team an extra possession so you know if you have 20 turnovers there's 20 possessions you just took away from your team there's 20 chances 20 you know chances that you're going that you missed to put the ball in you know um so transition we like to run transition sometimes we're not always best at it um but we also have some playmakers you know it's funny because i look at our offense and for years it, we just we work on offense and practice, but we're never a good set offensive team. No matter how much I drill it, no matter how much we practice it, it's frustrating because it's like, just slow it down a little bit. And we're starting to get better this year with it. But um, so, you know, offensively, it's like, well, whatever, what are we going to do this year? No, we're going to get in transition or just let the kids go out and play. Because that's part of the game, too, is these kids have been playing their whole lives. Let them play. You know, instead of having a setup that that because that, that's what they want to do, uh, setting up an offense, you can create things, you can get someone open um, if you're having trouble getting kids open. But you know, offensively, it's just what what how, what what is the defense going to give us? How are we going to run it? How are we going to execute it? I mean, the bottom line execution is is the biggest thing. If you execute well, you're gonna you're you're gonna be you're gonna be fine. So. Um, so we, it's it's kind of a balance, but it all depends on your team too. Yeah. And I, you know, it's so true. I mean, I come from the football world, so, you know, not marrying a, a way to play defense and offense and really adjusting your system to what your personnel is year to year. I'm glad to see that that carries throughout a lot of different sports. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the hardest thing sometimes is just being who you are because after you get scouted for so long, teams are going to be like, they're going to know what you do. They're going to know right. how you react to things and so on. And if you're not different and innovative and educating yourself, you know, then you become pretty stale and very easy to prep for. Um, and talking about those the points in, in your offense and defense, I mean, I just I just happened to look up the 2015-2016 season. So, mm -hmm. you know, your points for, just to give the audience an idea here, was, you know, I have 1,037 points for 669 points against. And I feel yeah. like that's that's incredible. I mean, that's a great difference there between defense and offense. But realistically, that's probably a better stat than I'm giving it because there were a lot of games that season that you were blowing teams out of the water. So you're emptying your bench out and playing a lot of different kids to give them that experience. Mm -hmm. So you're probably letting up a lot more points than you would if you had your starters in there. But you're also probably not scoring as many points as you would either if you had your starters in there the entire game. So I found that pretty intriguing about you. And when I look through the different years, I mean, the, it varies, but you're right around that three to four to 500 mark pretty much every single year of differential. Um, and then you look at some of the big wins you had, 
you know, you could, I mean, mathematically you could figure it out and try to say, okay, maybe we average 20 points one way or the other each game and do it out and get an idea. But um, pretty amazing stuff to kind of see. So I was, you know, I was really curious in just how you stress that. So it's great to hear that, you know, it's not a one thing fits all type mentality. It's kind of adjusting to who you are a little bit more so on and so forth. So that's great. Yeah. Uh, one thing I've, I've been curious about with you or just coaches in general that has had as much success for you. I mean, you've been to a lot of playoff, you know, you made the playoffs a lot. Um, talk about your practice um, routine and schedule, say during like a regular season game when you might have like a back-to-back or, you know, every other night versus when you kind of get closer to playoff mode and those last couple of games you're, you know, you're looking to really be playing strong going into the playoffs. I mean, is there a big difference in the way that you approach practice and you kind of approach everything versus regular season versus towards the end of your season? Yeah, definitely. Cause when you, when you look at the beginning of the season, the regular season, and you know, you're going to be good, you know, like take that 15, 16 year, you know, we're good this year. We're very good too. Um, you know, you're going to be good. Uh, and you know, you're going to be there in the end, but it's getting to that point, setting them up, you know, so they're going to succeed. Um, when they get to the playoffs, because it's a whole different ball game. You know, records are zero zero when you get into when you get into the playoffs. Teams are so much better. Um, you know, you, you go through a regular season schedule and you have some, you know, you have some duds on your schedule. Uh, you know, you mentioned that you know my non-league schedules are always tough, and because I, I always believe that, you know. You, if you want to get better, you got to play the best competition. You know, I, you don't want to play teams that are consistently three and 17 every year. Cause you're not going to get anything out of it. Um, so, you know, it's building, it's the building blocks getting to, to that point. And then once you get to like, you know, January, you know, late January, February, it's like, if we don't know what we're doing right now, then we're screwed. You know, I mean, because then, then we have we have problems, you know what I mean? And it's like so it's like building up to that. So when it comes to the playoffs, the way that I approach practices is, you know, is we we, we have to worry about ourselves. But I can spend a little bit more time talking about our opponent and doing what our opponent does, because we should be good enough at what we've been doing all season. Um, so, you know, you look at like the Norwood, you know, the game last year, and I know we'll get into it later on. but. Um, we were just 16 seed coming into number one seed Norwood, you know, and, and the kids were focused, you know, we watched film and I, and I broke it down for them, you know, I, and, and I, every year in the playoffs, when we, when we have a game, I will print out the scouting report on them. And I don't normally do that in the regular season. Sometimes I will, if it's a big game, but for teams that we play in the play, I'll print out a scouting report for them and say, and, and I'll sit at practice, you know, and go over it with them. Um, uh, you know, during the regular season, I'll talk about, okay, you're going to match up with this kid. You're going to match up with this kid. This, this team, they do, they do this really well. They do this really well. Um, but the playoffs, it's really trying to get them just focused on, you know, that, that, that's that last, that last step and being the best that you can be um, at, at playoffs. And so, it's a different mentality because you're, you're doing the same things over and over again, but you're good at it, you know? So when you get into the playoffs again, you can, you can't resemble another team's tenacity or um, you know, their, their, their hustle or, or what they do. You can't recreate that, but you can do the best you can to get them prepared. And, and that's the biggest thing with, with the, you know, in the playoffs. Uh, so the, the regular seasons, the buildup, you take the time, you go through everything by January, February, if we're not getting it, we're in trouble, <laughs> you know, right. um, 
So. And, and that's it, right? Because, you know, I, I look in the world of football, especially when we're preparing for games. I mean, we're building things, say, like offensively. We're looking to be like, all right, if they're going to be in cover two against trips, this is what we're going to do until they adjust to it. Or, you know, offensively, we notice that, you know, teams send pressure up the middle. Like, there's certain things that you can definitely hone in on and, and so on and so forth to prepare for anybody. But the one thing you can't simulate in practice, and you kind of alluded to it, is speed. You know, you, you, can't, you can't simulate the other team's speed until you actually see it on the field because you know even though your scout team might be running into perfection and doing everything you ask them to do they're just not doing it as quickly they're not doing it as efficiently and really your girls aren't going to see that until the game starts so we're definitely going to jump into that because to me that's one of more your impressive seasons of coaching truthfully yeah. <laughs> um, even though of all the great success you've had um, so you know, just kind of just like picking your brain here. Let's talk about your bench a little bit, like in football again, and I just keep referring to that, but you know, for the most part, you have 40, 45 kids on your roster where I was and you know, you have your starters, but you have your kids that defensively might play in certain packages and come out in certain times and the same thing offensively. If you go bigger or you try to get more speed on the field, talk about utilizing your bench in the basketball world. Um, you know, where you are playing man to man defense. I mean, you got to be in pretty good shape period. But, you know, I'm sure playing man, the man wears on you a lot. So talk about how you build your bench. And when you, you know, you do the tryouts and you have your roster, I mean, how do you utilize it throughout the season? So when, when it comes to the bench, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of factors that, that go into it. Sometimes you have a strong bench. Sometimes you don't have a very strong bench. Um, there's a lot of times where I don't go to my bench that often because those kids out there, you know, they're, they're in a groove and I'm not going to touch them, you know, unless I, unless I need to, they're in a groove. Like we had a game the other night, we played Pembroke and, you know, I had a, a, a five in there, you know, one kid, she was off the bench and there was four starters in there uh, and we were in a groove and I wasn't going to go away from that uh, but when I have to when you have to sub you, you want to make sure that you put the kids in the in, in the right position because you're going to need your best players in the end they're going to need the break they hate coming up they don't want to come out when you take them when you take them out sometimes they give you this look like why the hell are you take, taking me out like I want to stay in there I'm like I know I understand that you know but you need a break because I'm going to need you down down in the end there um, but it's you know the kids in the bench is I tell them because it's so hard in practice to, to get everyone through what you run on offense or what you do on defense, because there's just not enough time. Um, so you spend more time with your starting five, you know, going over, this is, you know, this is how we're going to run, you know, 41, or this is how we're going to run this four high play. And this is how we're going to run a two, two, one zone, you know, or, 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 or a press break. And sometimes you don't get the bench in there, but I want my bench to be paying attention and practice. And I want them to be a student of the game when they're on the bench, watching what's what, what they're doing. And I, and my expectation is that everybody on the bench, even uh, the starters, you need to know everybody's position up there. What is everybody doing? Because if so-and-so gets in foul trouble, okay, I might be looking to you because that's our best matchup, all right? And if it's a position that you're not comfortable playing, you should know what you have to do in that position. We can make adjustments as, as, as we go. Uh, but, but overall, it's just like putting the right kids in at the same time. And if you get that rotation, that's six, seven, eight, nine, um, you know, that's the rotation you want. You know, unfortunately, in, in basketball, when you get to like, you know, the 10, 11, 12, or, there's just not enough time to get everyone in in every game, especially at the a varsity level. 
because you're trying to win the game. And, um, you know, so some of those kids just that might not get in it, you know, it's not like football or it's not like you have kids that are just, that may sit on the bench for a couple of games and they're just never going to get in there, but it's what they do at practice that pushes that first team or those other teams there that, what they're there for because with practice you know kids could get sick it's good to get injured you're going to need someone so anytime they could it could be they, they could step up but when you know you go to your bench you don't want to break up that consistency if you put too many kids in if you put 12 kids in every game where's where's the consistency going to be you're, you're that first group of those kids that play the most they're they're, they're not gonna you know they're they're out of sorts because you're there's that consistency that's lost right there. If, especially when they get into a group, you don't want them to break that up. So yeah, it depends foul trouble, you know, or, um, you know, or matchup wise, it might be something, uh, you know, she, you know, we need some height, we need some rebounding in there. So I want to throw this person in there, or I need someone, you know, better to handle the ball against this or, you know, to kind of take pressure off the guard. No, this person's going to go in. So it's a fine line. And I would love to get all the kids in in every game, but it just, unfortunately, it doesn't happen that way. But you want the kids just to understand, just to, to know what their role is when they go into the game, if they go into the game. And, um, and, and, and that's, that's a huge part of the success. The bench is, is a huge part of the success. When you have kids that are familiar with that role and understand the role that they're going to be in, that makes it for, for a better opportunity for them, but it makes it a better atmosphere as a team. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, you can't put everybody in, right. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, and I think it's just coaching and, and, and doing this podcast, you just learn that there's just so much thinking that goes into the game. And you just mentioned a bunch of different scenarios of who to just put one person in and take one person out and put this person in and take that person out. You know, it's a constant chess game. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's also a lot of thinking that goes on in what you do, especially in basketball. We all know the last two minutes of basketball is really like 15 minutes of basketball mm-hmm. and no team's really out of it. So it's a matter of fouls and hitting your shots and you know getting guys in the rebound or getting shooters in or whatever it is that you got to do so there is a huge thought process that goes into that and I think that that's you know why you have the success you have just naming all those things I I mean I'm not a basketball guy I can watch a game like any average fan but talk about setting plays and all that stuff I'm not I'm not the person right but to hear how your your mindset and your mentality is that's great um and this leads us into your second run so this is kind of part three of talking about Mm -hmm. um you know your coaching career and this is pretty impressive so I'm going to take a minute and really read this stuff out so our audience can kind of hear this uh so from 2013 to 2017 you were 73 and 14 including four consecutive patriot league championships those back two years you actually were undefeated in the patriot league um also included a 2015-2016 season that you went undefeated regular season, um, which is something we're going to dive into because I just think that's amazing to pick your brain about. Um, you know, back-to-back D3 semifinals, and you mentioned some of those tough teams, especially those Archbishop Williams. I know from being well, an Cassidy. Catholic guy, yep, you play some of those teams, and yeah. I get it. Um, and in that process, you also produced three um, Division One college uh, basketball players, which, which mm-hmm. I find – just unbelievable of having one in your programs. Amazing to have a kid that goes to that level, but having three within a four year run, I think is even more impressive. So we're going to dissect into this. And the first thing I want to really sink my teeth into is the undefeated season. Um, I've never got to really talk to a coach like this. And I can imagine myself in in the football world. I've been there a few times as as an assistant that we've gone deep into a season, eight and oh, nine and oh, 10 and oh. So I understand a lot that goes into that, but Talk about the first moment of that season that you were kind of like, hmm, 
this is a possibility. I mean, this is a real thing that we could run the table and go undefeated here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that, that's a challenge. It, it's, uh, it's great. You know, you, you, that season was a fun season just in general. But when you get to that, you know, 15, you're 15 and oh, all of a sudden it's like the, the walls are starting to close in on you because now the pressure's starting to build, not only on you as a coach, but on the kids. And because and, and, they're like, like you said, we could do this. We can go undefeated. We, you know, the teams that we have coming up, we can beat these teams because we've already beat them. Uh, you know, you look at your schedule or where it goes, but yeah, that's, it's just the pressure just builds and builds and builds. And, and that season, I mean, I, we just, I, we were loaded, you know, I, Megan Dixon, Haley Ward, well, that's one of the, the uh, she went to Drexel, Megan Rabb, you know, went to Air Force. Uh, and, you know, Stephanie Flynn was the other one. She, she was a Columbia. Um, but that, that year just was, I mean, it was, I didn't know if we could do it or not. Um, and w- towards the end, we played some tough teams, you know, so the, so the regular season, you know, Patriot league, um, you know, we came down to, uh, Hingham at Hingham, um, to go 18 and all. And that was a big one. Cause Hingham was, Hingham was really good. They, you know, Haley Blasetti, um, they had some really, really good players. So, and, and, you know, it, with, with the others, it, it was just, oh, it was just so intense. You know, it was really intense. You, you play the other side only once and, and, you know, we're sick. We're looking at the schedule and we're saying, ah, you know, we still got hang them on the schedule. We still got hang We got to go to hang them, um, you know, to finish the regular season. And we played well. And, and that game 18 and oh, you know, that was the end of like the, the, the league season. And, as time went on that fourth quarter and we, you know, we had a, you know, pretty good lead and it was, what is a great game. The kids were starting to get excited. And it was like, and then, you know, once we won, it was, you know, all hell broke loose. Everyone was, was super excited. Um, but then we had two really tough, um, tough games because we were in the Foxborough warrior classic that year and Foxborough always is you know a, a, a powerhouse um so going into that we end up playing foxborough the the championship game let me, let me see I, 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 i'm trying to go through see if i can find my book here that season um sorry i'm looking away here <laughs> no please and as you're doing that i mean that's that's what's so amazing is like at the high school level i mean keeping your emotions tight. Like, so the girls don't necessarily kind of see what's maybe running through your mind or the nerves that are kicking in, but obviously for them too, because everyone's talking about it in school. I'm sure Mm -hmm. it's getting a lot of PR in town. Um, You know, the kids are, you know, all the sports are talking about everyone's coming to the games. I'm sure the gym was rocking, especially towards the end of that season when you guys were were making that run. Um, So just to kind of juggle all that and manage that, um, you know, at the high school level is, and, and it's not easy. It's not easy. So, you know, you having that um, and having that ability to, you know, run a regular 20-0 season and putting that under your belt. I mean, I read the article when you guys went 20-0, and and that was a tough game. I think you guys were down at halftime. Yep, yep. You know, so I'm sure those last couple games, it was sinking into the girls a little bit too, the pressures of it, like you said, kind of caving in. Um, But, yeah, Coach, I just thought it was absolutely amazing to to, to see – you go on such a great run. And I know maybe the season didn't necessarily end the way that you were all hoping to, to finish it off. Um, and, and, but 
to, to have that under your belt and to do something like that at the high school level coach. Yeah. You deserve, you deserve all the credit in the world. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. I'm, I'm looking back. So I, I kind of had, I kind of had it wrong. So we, we had the, before we played Hingham, we had the, the Foxborough tournament because Hingham, that's I remember was the 20 and 0 and that was where the celebration was. I think that might've been, cause that was over the, over the vacation, but we had played. So we beat Plymouth North, um, uh, uh, that last before we went into the Foxborough tournament and we opened up the Foxborough tournament with Lincoln Sudbury. Um, again, another, you know, really strong school in everything. Uh, and, in everything. And, yeah. And we end up beating them, you know, um, what was it? Um, they weren't as good that year. Cause I think we crushed them, you know, and I, but I was worried about it. Um, it, but they're traditionally, you know, really good. I think I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the book here. Yeah, uh, what was it? Um, no, we that was a good. Uh, so hold on, it was yeah, seventy six forty five. Yeah, you know, seventy six forty five. It was it was that, and they and they were you know again that they were they were they were pretty good. And then we go to play Foxborough, and that one was a classic. Fifty two forty five was the final, so that gets us to nineteen and zero. So you beat a good strong Lincoln Sudbury team, then you beat a good a really legit Foxborough team, then we go to Hingham was also really good and then you know that was when the pressure started like okay here it is we're at this big game 20 and 0 let's do it you know let's let let's get this going and the the, the pressure and all that uh it was just it was just crazy and then end up winning that game and you know then we go on and we played uh you know Middleborough um that year and Middleborough made it in this uh was the Sullivan rule but they only won three games we already beat them twice in the regular season uh, then we played Abington, um, and they had Jenny Warden. I mean, she was a great player. Abington was really good. And then we ran into uh, Coyle, <laughs> who was good. And we, we could have won that. We had a chance to win that game, um, and we just you know we just didn't make the plays that, that we needed to. But uh, that whole season, though, was just a, a, you know, a memorable, memorable season. And, and, again, they all kind of blend together, and I remember that, and I knew, those, you know, I just couldn't remember the order that those games came in. <laughs> yeah, like you said, it, it just – just it, after a while, you coach so many of them that things mm-hmm. and names get all bumped, and you're like, "Wait, this kid played that year." That's yeah, I, I trust yeah. him so much. Um, and I, and like I said, it's just a huge accomplishment. But you know, you should really pat yourself on the back for that because you know, there's not a lot of high school coaches in any sport that say that you know they they went through an undefeated season, especially the winter. You're playing 20 games, and that's a lot of games. And for high school kids, you know, to to be perfect for for that period of time is that's not easy and it's not easy and you might have not been perfect and made mistakes in games and some you can probably remember things but at the end of the day in the win-loss record you were perfect and i and i yep. think that that's amazing that you were able to write that ship and obviously you had great talent that you mentioned and we'll jump into some of these girls in a few minutes um but another thing that i kind of just have in my notes here is um 2016 2017 the very next year I mean, I'm just going to read. I mean, I believe you went 19 and three. I mean, I could be a little off. Maybe that doesn't make sense. But um, with a couple playoff games, I think it was 19 and three. But yep. you, you, you played, you know, again, another undefeated Patriot League season. But your non-league, you played uh, Brockton, which was a D1 team. You played them and beat them twice. The yep. team that you lost to was Bishop Fian, who you lost to twice. And mm-hmm. you know they're a Division One. I, I think they won the Division One title that year. So I believe they did. Yes. Yeah, you're not playing. You know, you're not playing some of those softer teams that you could have the pat your stats. I mean, the next year you came out 
you know, locked and loaded and ready to go. So talk about the mentality of kind of booking a schedule like that, maybe knowing the team that you had coming back from the year before. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of it did have to do with, you know, the team that I had um, the year before. And, you know, I wanted to build on the success of that 22 and 0 season uh, or 22 and one season. Um, and the good part about that, you know, being having at that point in time, you know, you had these kids coming back. So I knew the following year, you know, we're going to be good. And, and, um, and, uh, and my thought was, I'm going to play the best, you know, because I know what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to either Archbishop Williams, or it's going to come down to Coyle, because it always, you know, it always does one of those. And, and I, and I want to give our kids the bet, put our kids in the right position. So when it gets to that point, you know, we're familiar playing with like that talent, um, you know, and Bishop Fian uh, is the, you know, I mean, for years, and they still are, you know, it's just that is a, is a good school. And I knew Mike very, you know, very well, and he wanted to play me and I wanted to play him. thought it was just a great opportunity um, for the kids to play. Um, and then I went out to get Brockton as well. Uh, and Brockton was, you know, pretty good. They weren't as great as, you know, some of their teams have been, but, but still it's D1, it's Brockton, you know, um, there, there's, and there's something about playing at Brockton high school. It just, it just, I mean, I have memories of my dad, you know, coach, in there you know in his time and just there's so many memories but just Brockton High School is like a mecca you know you know playoff basketball so it was cool to be able to get a chance to play there too but but again I if I I knew the team that I wanted and I wanted to play the best uh, because that's what my kids they, they really needed us to play you know to play the best to put them in that in that position so um that's, I mean, that was, that was a great season too. You know, I mean, again, we end up falling short, you know, I think that year was Archbishop, we lost to Archbishop Williams, uh, but we had them for a while too. They, they had Asia Dingle that year um, and she had gone on, uh, I think it was school, but she's division one player. I mean, that, that, that kid was just, amazing and we did a really good job defending her too like we kind of held her in check for most of the game but they had just so many other pieces that we just kind of uh you know we kind of do it and some of my my kids we didn't play as well some of my big kids didn't have great games um you know but that's all part of it you know it it, it all comes to that but um yeah that was that was a good follow-up season I wish we had kind of gotten further but that, that that's why I went out to get that schedule because I'm like I know we have a chance to beat Archbishop Williams or Coyle Cassidy because it's the same team that I have last year. They have the experience. And so, you know, back-to-back years, we, you know, we get there. Um, and it didn't work out for us, but still it was, you know, I mean, we went through the gambit uh, for sure, you know, to get ready for that moment. Yeah. And, and I mean, first, uh, who knows what was in the water those years uh, uh, in Braintree because between Braintree girls and Archbishop William girls and brain, I mean, the two schools in Braintree that was just so dominant in basketball for a long period of time. So there's going to be something in the water there, but um, yeah. And and I found that amazing. And then obviously off of that. So again, you know, 74 and 13, I mean, that's incredible coach. I mean, you're averaging maybe three losses a season that year. Mm-hmm. And then we're talking about the schedule you're playing. So you're losing games to good quality teams. You're not losing games that you shouldn't, you know, maybe you look back and a few of those, maybe you think you shouldn't have lost, but you know, for the most part, you're averaging three losses a season, which means you're averaging about 17 wins a season during that period too, which is just it's yeah. phenomenal. Crazy. Um, <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's a testament to you and how great of a coach you are, but um, you know, during that run, there were three girls that we talked about that with division one athletes and you kind of named them, but just, I want you to talk about these girls again, Megan Rabb went to air force, uh, Haley Wardell went to Drexel, Stephanie Flynn went to Columbia. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about, well, 
first of all, just the type of girls that they are, um, but also the impact that they have on young girls in the community. I mean, I guess I'm just going to kind of ask accumulating question. Talk about these girls a little bit and also maybe the effect that they did have on your program, especially in the youth levels. I mean, three girls, division one products. I mean, your youth, all the girls in town must have been running to play basketball during that, sec that, that second run a little bit. So talk about how that's just kind of helped your program all the way across the board. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, and there was another kid that we didn't, she didn't go to division one. She ended up actually playing at UMass Boston and she had a very good career at UMass Boston, Megan Dixon. Um, she was, she was, uh, uh, you know, a great player. Um, you know, just the, the, they're always special, you know, in their own way. Um, Stephanie was the first, um, you know, was the first one. Um, she was my, she was my second thousand point scorer. Kelly Duvall back in 2010, um, she didn't play in college. She was more of a softball player. She had a great career. She had a thousand points in 2010. So in 2000, let me see if I get this right. And Stephanie Flynn was 2016. And so was Haley Warbell 2016. So I had 2000 point scorers that year. Um, and top that off with Megan Rabb. I still, you know, I still had, um, and also, um, actually was Stephanie, I don't know, was, was Flynn, and she wasn't in 16, I don't think. Um, she was 15. So, yeah, 15 was, was Stephanie Flynn. Um, so, but regardless, I think, was it? Yeah. It was Haley. It was Haley. That was Haley's senior year, I believe. And Haley came for us. Haley actually came to us from Cardinal Spellman. She played at Cardinal Spellman. She I was read a that. Person. Yeah. Yep. She came from us from um, Cardinal Spellman. Um, and she's, again, those kids, they just lived and breathed and, and, and ate basketball. Um, it was just, it was in their blood. It was, um, you know, Stephanie Flynn comes from a long line of, uh, of Flynn. She was the first one that I've had. Um, and, and currently right now I have two more of the Flynn's. Um, one's a senior this year and the last, you know, I think this is the last one. She's a freshman. Um, so I've had, you know, a nice one with the Flynn's. Uh, and there was a, another sister in there too. Um, but Stephanie was just more, she was just a, I mean, she was such a competitor. She was a fierce competitor. Um, she just, she just has that look and that tenacity just to, oh, it was just so awesome. Uh, and she would do some amazing, amazing things. So the little kids, you know, see her and they're like, wow, I want to be like Stephanie Flynn and this and that, you know, of course they're watching Stephanie Flynn. And then you got, you know, Dixon, you know, shooting threes deep, Haley Wardwell shooting threes deep, Megan Rabs just, you know, you know, killing it on the boards, killing it underneath. Um, I mean, they're all, you know, I mean, Haley and Megan were, um, you know, were really good shooters, like pure shooters, but they could do so many other things with a basketball that just made them that special. And then, you know, Stephanie, she could shoot, she could go inside, she could shoot outside, she could, uh, she could defend well, she rebounds well. Uh, and, you know, Rab, obviously, she was, she's like, she was like 6'2", um, and she was just like a stud underneath. Like, I mean, just couldn't move her and, you know, rebounding. And, uh, I mean, it was just, it was such a great one. And, and not too often, especially at public schools, do you get, like, classes like that where you have you know, three or four kids that are legit players, you know, like I said, D one players, it's, it's, it's very rare to see public schools to see, to see that. Um, so to, to see that not only for the kids in the town, but all over, um, it just, it just, wow. Like that's, I want to be like them. I want to play like them or, um, it just, it, it just was really, really, really special. And, and, uh, and, 
you know, I was the benefactor of it. You know, it, it, it makes my job easy when I have those kids on my team. I, you know, like, here's a ball, go out and play. I don't have to do anything. You know, they know how to do it themselves. So, you know, it was a luxury just to, to coach them. But um, yeah, again, but they, they established their legacy. And again, they're part of this legacy that you're going to go into Hanover. You're going to get some good players. There may not be so many, but they're going to work their tails off. And there's always going to be one player that's going to be a thorn in your side that, you know, from that team that's just going to, you know, do it. And, and that year there was obviously a couple, but yeah, it was just, it was awesome. Those, those couple of years. Yeah. And, and so how involved are you with the youth programs? I mean, you know, especially, I mean, give yourself credit coach, you know, those girls might've been talented. Absolutely. And it sounds like they mm -hmm. were, you know, they were so, but you know, you're putting them in a position to win and they're going through a program to not only make themselves better, make their teammates better. And you've seen it through these runs of how well you guys played. Uh, how involved are you with the youth programs and especially in town to, as so you it's, to it's interesting that, because I would love to be more involved than I am because I'm not, I have not really been involved. I mean, I've tried, you know, to get things and there's sometimes it's just not interest. Um, but I've had some, um, you know, coaches or some parents of some kids who have kind of given me inside scoop of, of some of these kids, you know, when, when, when Dixon and Rabin Wardwell were eighth grade, uh, you know, seventh and eighth grade, I would go to their, their youth games just to watch them just to be a presence and so forth. Um, and, and so, you know, I, it's, I, I want to work more with it, but it, you know, it's, it, it's, it's hard. Number one, it's Again, a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of time. And, and the times that I did try it, you know, and maybe it wasn't promoted well, but, you know, I just couldn't get, you know, a lot of interest. So, so it was hard. So I'm relying on, you know, my youth coaches who some of them I have a very, you know, pretty good relationship with um, that they've told me, you know, you, this, this group is great. This group is great. And I know with them that they're actually teaching them the game at that level. So it's like, great. Um, but I think, you know, the product, you know, right now, the product that we put on the floor not you know season in season out i mean speaks volumes for the for the youth like i want to play in that program because all that program does is win you it's know win. They, they work hard and and i want to be a part of that you know so i so i do think in from that sense um you know the the the, the program speaks for itself, but Hanover is just a great town. Um, Hanover is a very athletic town. I mean, the, the sports in Hanover are, you know, for years, and it doesn't, you know, any sport has just been, uh, you know, unbelievable. Um, you know, the boys basketball won the state championship a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, rugby. I mean, it just, you, you, just, you know, soccer is always around. It, they're just great athletes, great families, great people there. Um, and, you know, again, it's, it's word of mouth. People want to, you know, come out and they want to see you. They want to see Hanover. And, and the, the kids, uh, you know, more and more what I like to do, and, and the my AD, Scott Hutchinson, he does a really good job of getting the youth kids, not this year with COVID, but getting the youth kids, you know, to come and maybe play a game at halftime, you know, so they're there. Uh, you know, That's and awesome. when, when they're there, um, I love it. And the kids love it because, you know, in a, in a normal season, you know, we'll come out of our locker room and, and, you know, the youth, like the sixth grade or seventh grade, they're all lined up as we come out, you know, cheering us on and, you know, giving everybody five. So and, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, cool. It's, it's, it's wicked cool. And, and, yeah. you know, when they do the lineups and saying, you know, start, the, the kids, they're there and everyone's giving them five. And, you know, then when we get in the game, they're sitting right behind us, they're cheering, they're screaming and they see that. And it's just, that's just awesome. Like I, I love, I love it when my youth, you know, when, when Hutch gets the youth kids there, when the youth kids get a chance to play at halftime, because they just give so much support. And, and the girls, my team, they love it. They love it. And a lot of my kids too, 
you know, they're active, you know, they ref, you know, town league, or some of them, I've had some of the kids that coach in the town league, you know, uh, as part of community service or just do it just to love it. So they see these kids too, you know, as coaches or officials, they see them, you know, on, on a Saturday, you know, Oh, you know, so-and-so's in our game today. You know, I, I see them all the time and then they're talking to them and, and it's just, it's just awesome. So I think, you know, with, with the, the kids that I've had that I've been blessed to have, um, you know, with some of the parents and the youth, some of the coaches, coaches in the youth um, and just the support we get from the entire community and, and Hanover itself. I, I, that speaks a lot for the program. Uh, but as I said, I, I do wish I could be a little bit more active, you know, in, in with, with the youth. Um, you know, I have a five-year-old too. So that's kind of, you know, my wife, she works full time. So it's kind of hard in the summertime to be able to work, you know, to take the time out to work with them. Um, and even in the, you know, when they're traveling hard to go watch them travel or, you know, I'd love to go to an AAU game to watch them play AAU or something just to be, you know, just to be vision, you know, just be, some people they can see me and they know they knew exactly. who I am and so forth. Um, so I would love to do that more. Um, I do have a, an assistant coach with me. He's, he's, uh, and he's been with me for the last two years and he actually coached at North Quincy high school for a couple of years. I coached against him. He's a resident of the town. He's got three daughters and he coaches the, the sixth, uh, the fourth grade, I think fourth and fifth grade teams. So, you know, it's nice to have him, um, with me the last two years because of those younger kids, he's going out there, um, and, and, you know, working with them and he knows what, and we coached against me, um, you know, and now he's with me and we have a great time. So he knows what I expect. He knows where we're going and he wants to get the kids going. And, and, uh, we were talking about the other day on the bus that we'd really like to do something. Him and I would like to do something in the off season, you know, to really get after it and, and having him in the youth, Already you know, and, and, and coaching with me, I think I'd be able to get more and more of an interest because I'll get a lot from him, you know, um, cause he, you know, he's all, he's all in for it. And his name, Mike Jorgensen. Um, and, uh, it just, it, it, it is, I just, uh, but it, it's, you know, again, I, if there's one fault that I think that I would say for me for the, is not being as active with the youth as I would like to be. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, like you said, you mentioned all those factors. I mean, I'm a dad of two twins. Like it's hard just with babies in general, just scheduling wise and your wife working and you working, it's not easy, you know? And so what you're doing is working. And I think just having a coach that's there, that's even if they're at that five, you know, fifth grade, you know, level, they know what's coming, they know what to expect. And um, yeah, they see that talent, especially when they go up in seventh and eighth grade and you kind of know to keep your eye on it. Sometimes it's, might, it's all you really need, you know, in, in a lot of senses too, because you don't want to overwork these girls at the youth age. You don't want these, a lot of these parents maybe volunteering the coach because they need a coach for the team and, you know, they know the basics of basketball and maybe that's it, you know? And mm -hmm. so, you know, you don't know sometimes what you have down there either and you get lucky and have a good coach that really knows the game or someone that works with you and knows your terminology and he can fool around with that a little bit and see, okay, what can these girls do at such a young age level um yeah it's cool but i get it it's a lot of work it's not it easy. is <laughs> and this is why i do this podcast you're so right. you're so much you do that no yeah. one talks about except what's your win loss record that's right. it that's the only thing they ask right. you about. uh so it's crazy but i'm going to jump into this last portion of it and and i mentioned i kind of broke it up into four parts mm -hmm. to me you know outside of maybe your undefeated regular season the most impressive year of coaching for you i felt doing research was last year now last year you made the playoffs at 11 and 9 but you started the year off three and eight and you did lose a lot of close games from the articles that i was reading so you were a team that was competitive which you kind of talked about earlier in the podcast of what you wanted your identity to be when you took the program over you then went on to have a 
eight and uh, eight and one run, you know, nine and yeah. one run, eight and one run, um, and make the playoffs. And as a 16 seed, you draw the one seed, Norwood. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sure from Norwood's end, they're like gulp, number one yeah. seed playing 16, and they're facing a feisty team that for the past four years before that has been one of the more dominant programs in girls' high school basketball. So that's mm-hmm. not an easy draw for them. But you guys were in a battle. I know you lost a close game, and even maybe the score wasn't you know accurate to what the game really was down till the end. Um, but I thought that was your most impressive season of coaching. I mean, talk about the tale of two seasons really for you uh, last year. Yeah, it really was. Uh, last year, um, it, it, with the last couple of years prior to this year, we've started off, you know, very slow. And, and we always finish strong, you know. And I think, again, because we build things up and, and then we finish strong. But last year was just uh, – it was a lot different, you know, um, we started off, you know, early on and it, we, you know, we played Pembroke. That was our first game last year and, and they were really good. I mean, this, you know, they were, you know, defending D2 South, um, you know, finalists. So we opened up with them. They had Kate Galligan, um, you know, and they just were, just were kind of a solid, solid team. So we got, you know, our butts whipped that first game 60 to 30 I think it was 60 to 35 or something like that um and so you know that that was kind of like a frustrating way um to 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 go into the season um and you know then you know early on then we start you know then we you know we played uh Duxbury you know our next game we beat them you know pretty well then we played North Quincy uh we beat them um and then we get to Hingham and Hingham again they're you know they have the kids you know uh you know Grace Bennis, you know, you, you have, you know, um, the Blasetti girls. So they're, again, they were the, uh, between Pembroke and Hingham, you know, they've been around in D2 in the South and Pembroke and Hingham played in the South sectional the year before. Um, and we had Hingham and we end up losing to them, uh, by one. Um, and you know, that was, uh, or, or is that actually, no, that, um, that wasn't that, that was another year, but Hingham, uh, this was at the rock in the Rockland tournament and, and during Christmas vacation. And, and we played them so well, and we had many chances to win. In fact, you know, you know, we, we sh- probably should have won that game. Um, and then we played Stoughton, you know, the next and Stoughton's not that good. And we just, we did not play well. We were not that good. So that was a killer, you know, that Stoughton game. Um, and, but after that point, you know, we with with, you know, Silver Lake, we lost a close one with Silver Lake. But things started clicking after that. After that point, I think the the kids were frustrated, but they because they knew that we're there, like that we're we're just on the the cusp of becoming a good team, and 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 so they believed in themselves. And and again, being in some of these, you know, going to hang, you know, taking hang them, losing them by a point, you know, Silver Lake, we 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 were a better team, but we lost to them, and we had, we, you know, we had our chances. Um, you know, then we go up to the Quincy whatnot, but it just, they started believing in themselves, you know, and like, wow, we can do this. And just, I just kept on being positive with them. Like, look, we still have it. We still can win the league. We still can do this. We can still get to the playoffs. This is what we're looking for. And I think they took that, they took that mentality, you know, going into the season, you know, and then it, you know, comes down to, you know, East Bridgewater at the end of the season with they were very good team uh, back that. um, And, and, you know, we beat them, 
which was great. You know, that was a nice win. It was on a Saturday or a Sunday. I forget what it was, but it was in an afternoon game. Um, and, and we knew at that point too, we're like, yes, we can do this. And we finished what 11 and, you know, 11 and nine. Yeah. Um, once we beat situate at situate, which was a great game too, we knew that we were in. Um, and, and it was sitting back waiting. Okay. We're going to be the 16th seed. We're going to be playing, you know, the number one team or whatever. And, um, and, but, the kids believe again. Like I said the kids believed in themselves, and and we watched film on Norwood. Um, you know that that we had um, the kids even on their own. You know said oh because you know we watched. You know some of it was on YouTube, and the kids were watching it. We gave out you know um, prep sheet for it, and said this is what we want to do. This is what we want to do, and the kids saw it too. Like okay you know, we're just going to pack in the defense, let them kind of beat us from the outside. That's what we want to do. Their best players are inside. Uh, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to, you know, take it to them as best as we possibly can. So we go into Norwood and we execute the game plan perfectly. The kids believe in themselves. Um, you know, we started off, we were down early, but then we went on a run, half, you know, towards the end of the first quarter and into half. I, I think we outscored them like 22 to three going into half. Um, so we had a lead uh, at halftime um, and then getting into the third quarter, um, we started, we still started playing very well. And we would go to the line and we missed a lot of our free throws. We missed a lot of free throws and that kind of came back at, hurt us at the end because we had chances to extend the lead but we weren't doing it from the free throw line and they started shooting they started you hitting kept the ball. good team in the game for yeah. too long yeah yeah exactly um and then you know it was right down to the wire and, and we had a chance to, to to beat them you know at the end of regulation uh but we didn't we end up going into overtime and then you know at that point we put just so much effort into it and and you know, we're, we're excited where they believe that they could do it. But I, again, it's, it's Norwood and they just, you know, they're just too good. And the better team, they were obviously the better team one out in the end, you know, but we had our chances, but they, the biggest thing going into that game, is just, I was so proud of the kids, the way that they responded, the way that they came out and it could have been Norwood took us a little lightly. Uh, but I remember talking to, to, um, to Kristen uh, McDonald, after she's a, the guidance counselor and she was the Braintree coach. She now coaches at Norwood boys. And I talked to her after, um, and she was like, oh, "I told, I told coach. I said, he, this is this is Hanover. This is not going to be an easy game, you know. And he, they're very well coached. Um, and 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 he's like, I was right, you know. And and but but it was all the kids. The kids just just executed the game plan to a perfection. And it's just we missed some free throws here, missed some shots here and there. You know, we didn't get a couple bounces and." There you go, you know, but yeah. it was a great way to end the season um, on a, because even though we lost, it was a positive end to the season. Yeah. And I think too, looking at that, it obviously is a positive end. You went on a great run. I mean, you played the number one seed really to the wire. So your girls are obviously pretty, you know, juiced up after the season to be like getting to work for the next season. And then, you know, the worldwide pandemic hits everybody. Yep. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm sure you've been asked a million times how you're navigating through this and how you're doing this, but I'll ask you this and I'll ask it a little differently. Talk about the COVID rules that are in place for basketball. Like I saw a picture the other day of free throws and everyone's like standing basically away and the person's mm -hmm. at the line by themselves, like they're shooting a tee. Talk about maybe how you've had a coach a little differently during COVID time because of some of the rule changes that are in the game. 
Yeah, it's not only the rule changes too. It's it's you know it, you know with the close contacts and, and and anything like that, trying to to you know to keep up to the we we had a pause over Christmas vacation, so we were you know we um, we couldn't play our first game over Christmas vacation, and then um, we got back, uh, and then over New Year's that weekend, you know we had a, a there was a kid that was you know practice she had a you know positive case, um, so then we were out for a couple of days till we all got tested and you know they you know looked on all that, um, you know and that's the thing you know you look at look at teams. I look at like a team like situate we, we play them tomorrow night, uh, but they've been on a three week pause. You know, they came back Friday, they played their first, really their second game of the season. Um, but that's the hardest thing. Cause you, you don't know. That's one of the hardest. Cause you don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. The other week uh, we played, we played Duxbury. Now they weren't on our schedule, uh, but because situate was out, you know, we had to find another game. So we were going to play hang up. Um, but it, and because Hingham couldn't play Plymouth North because Plymouth North was out. But then Plymouth North came back, and so Hingham went back to play Plymouth North, and then we end up with Duxbury. So it's, you know, to prepare for that, and that was only the one instance to prepare for that, like, is, yeah. is really, really it's like tough. like a three-ring circus, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, yeah and, and it's you just don't know you you don't know when the pause is going to come and you don't know whether it's your team or someone else you know someone others another team or whatnot so it's kind of hard you know i look in my book and i'm like okay this is who we're playing on these days but that could change you know that could completely change depending on on, on COVID. but getting into the rules honestly other than a couple of things here and there it's really the same game you know um there's no jump ball so it's a coin toss. Uh, I like to joke with the kids, you know, when they go, you know, there, I'm like, okay, do we win the coin toss? You know, like in the football, <laughs> you know, whatever. They think it's funny. Like, okay, we defer to the second half. All right, that's fine. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's just, it's just one of those, it, you know, that's a little bit of a change, but that's not that big of a change. Um, um, no out of bounds underneath. That's probably the biggest, the biggest one. Like, especially if it's underneath their basket, like on the offensive basket, if it's going the other way, it's not, it's not a big deal. But um, because you can't run any out of bounds plays underneath the basket, and 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 so everything is side out of bounds. So I've put a little bit more effort into side out of bounds plays than I have in the past because, well, I want to, you know, to get it in or or to try to be successful with it. I mean, the biggest thing with any out of bounds play is just get get the damn ball in right get it <laughs> you know, in, first so of all right <laughs> <laughs> whether you score or not you know great but get the ball in so you don't you know you don't turn it over but that's a change um the free throws it, it, it is a little bit different um you know if it's one if it's two free throws kids can't be in there for the first three free throw they've got to stay back but the second one they can go in if it's a one-on-one or if it's a three-point play they can go in uh, same thing with a three-point shot. To get fouled in a three-point shot, you can't be in for the first two, but you can be in for the. You have to be in for the third. Um, that is not terrible. I, you know, I think that gives obviously the defensive team an advantage. Uh, although one night uh, was our first night, Quincy. We play up in Quincy. You know, we had the advantage. You know, Quincy rebounded their own miss off a free throw. We didn't get it, and they didn't. Fortunately, they didn't score. But I'm like, yeah. I mean, come on now. Yeah. You know? 
Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of a, an adjustment, but you, you still can play defense. You know, you, you, there's, you know, there's no closely guarded. Um, you I was still, wondering that with man to man, like, is there, yeah. like, you can't press. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So you can't, you can still press, you can still yeah. do whatever you want to do in, in the whole, the whole scheme of things. Um, so it's really, you know, the game really hasn't changed. I mean, I, I think timeouts are a little bit different because they're two and a half minutes now. Um, and sometimes I'm like, which is good because I get to talk to my assistant coaches and be like, all right, what should we do here? Or what, you know, what kind of adjustments can I make? But that's kind of a long break, no halftime, you know, two minutes in between quarters. So those kind of like little, you know, little minor details. I mean, the other night we played a game when we played uh, Quincy, we started at six thirty. The game was over by like seven twenty-five. <laughs> you know, and that's that's like wow. I'm, I'm gonna go home early. You know, <laughs> or whatnot. Um, but then the masks. You know, the mask. It's it's and I know it's like every sport. You know, soccer did the same thing. The masks are are uh, you know are tough. Um, the kids have have adjusted very well to it. Um, it, there are you know there are times though you do the kids do have the mask you know just with their nose showing or whatnot and you got to kind of keep reminding them the officials kind of remind oh, yeah. them um you know the officials don't blow whistles now either so they have these little fox 40 you know buttons that they press and some of them aren't really that that great you know the, the fox 40 the fox 40 could do a little bit better with the whistles but that's that's another story even the officials say that too like and i'm sorry you know we're so used to blowing it and putting our hand up so sometimes um, so, you know, that's kind of an adjustment too, but really the COVID rules just haven't, I, I don't think have really significantly impacted the game. It's still the same game with just a couple minor changes, you know, and, and, and again, the playing with a mask, that's, I think that might be, that's probably the hardest thing, you know, oh, yeah. practicing with a mask, coaching with a mask is hard to do too. Um, but I, again, I, I don't think the, the COVID rules as much have affected us as the pauses for teams and, and all that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I had on uh, Matt Freeman last week, the head bas- girls basketball coach at Braintree who, who took over and he's like, yeah, you know, my first four games, I had to play Newton North. I mean, they're seventh in the state and I had them yeah. back to back to back to back games because of kind of what you alluded to with your right. schedule a little bit in school. So it also works against you yeah, in a lot of ways too, um, <laughs> in that sense, depending on who you draw. But um, you know, as we kind of near the end of this show, I just like to ask my coaches, you know, a couple questions as far as just advice down the road. So one is, you know, what's your advice to young coaches out there that, you know, are, have been doing it for a little bit and maybe looking to make that jump into, you know, the interview process of trying to take over a program and, and start at their own. I mean, what's the advice you give someone who's about to make that climb? You know, trust yourself, really. Um, you're because, you know, it's like it's basically, you're, you're a good coach you know what you're doing. Um, but that being said, look to get better too. You know, what can you do, um, you know, to make you a better coach? Uh, You know, like I, one of the things, you know, for me, depending on the team you have trying to find an identity on your team. And that's a challenge from, from year to year. And sometimes that can be overwhelming because there's, there's so much out there that you can do and you might be at a loss, like, oh, I don't know, is this going to work for me? Or is it, you know, is it, you know, is this just go with the flow, see how it works. You can always make adjustments, you know, further on, but 
stick with your guns, stick with what you do, but always be a student of the game too. learn, you know, watch films, whether not, not just game films of other teams, but, you know, watch films that break down drills or the breakdown plays, um, you know, from like college coaches, you know, maybe watch a college game, you know, the NBA, it's kind of hard to, you know, as a high school coach, so cause there's a lot of, you know, things different. It's like, yeah, yeah don't really go by the NBA. <laughs> yeah. um, it's great to watch, but focus more on like the college or high school, what other high school coaches do. And, and, and understand this, that especially at, at the high school level, it goes in cycles. You're going to have some good years, but you're also going to have some really down years. And, and that, you know, you, you just got to, it makes you a stronger person, makes you a stronger coach. You need those years because it really makes you who you are and where you want to go. Um, we all want to win. We all want to have those great teams, but you're just in high school basketball, you know, it doesn't. And I, I would probably say like the last thing is, is, you know, in terms of what advice is in terms of your program, you have four years with the kids in your current program. And so when they graduate, they graduate, but you're coming back no matter what. So you always want to look to the future. You, you want to try to, you know, what you, you build for the future, uh, you know, build with what you have, but you're also putting in things for the future for your underclassmen as they come through um, to kind of put them in the right position. You got to take a look at, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's about that year, but you're also trying to build a program because when those kids go, you're still there, you know, um, and you're trying to build your program. So I think that's, you know, I think that's one of the biggest, you know, one of the best pieces of advice that I got was you're going to be there longer than the kids what do you want out of your program and, and, you know, build, build your program to what you want. And it's not going to happen overnight. You know, I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day. It's just going to take time. But if you have the time and the commitment to do it, um, you're going to be fine. Yeah. I think that's great advice. You know, you got to look at it and say to yourself that you always, I remember even just being an assistant coach and I coached defensive backs. I always looked at it as every year I want to be able to have one or two guys come back that have pretty good, significant playing time that have experience. So I'm never looking to find four new people the following year with very little experience. I have guys mm -hmm. who've gotten a lot of good rotations in and might have five or six guys that getting their feet wet is really important, especially um, you know, as you're trying to build the future of that position or their program or whatever it is, that's great. Um, the last thing I ask is just, you know, sacrifice. I mean, what you do, it takes a lot of time. And this is, again, part of the reason why I started this podcast is because there is so much time spent on your season outside of your season and not in the hours that you're paid to coach this, but it goes further with your education and, you know, you scouting or um, you, you go in the clinics or, or you go in the college practices and trying to learn and educate yourself the best you can. Um, that comes sacrifice with home life and social life and maybe getting, you know, you have a, you have a young, a young daughter, you know, um, and maybe that sometimes you should sacrifice a little bit of time that you spend at home with her because you're doing the things for your job. I mean, talk about sacrifices and how you're able to balance that off as much as you do. Yeah, I mean, you know, most people are probably in the same in the same way that have a family. I mean, obviously, family comes first, you know, and that that's the most important thing. So you make sacrifices that way. If you if you have to miss a clinic or you have to miss something, you know, because your family is in a situation, then obviously you know, you just you, you got to tend to that. I mean, your your family is your life. Your family is your you know. This is in the grand scheme of things, this is just a job. It's a job that you love to do. Um, but it, it, your family is the most important thing. Family always comes first, you know, you know, religion, family, whatever, you know, whatever your belief system is. But to me, it's always your family. Um, 
you know, and I treat my kids the same way, you know, we're all a family here. We're not individual. We're all a family. Um, but there are sacrifices that you have to do. There are times, you know, especially, you know, being a basketball coach, um, and even for the kids themselves, we give up two vacations, you know, we, February, February vacation, especially at the varsity level, February vacation and Christmas vacation. Cause you're typically with Christmas vacation, the season's just kind of starting There's Christmas tournaments or there's games over that vacation. So you're giving up that vacation time. You know, you want to spend time with your family for Christmas or, you know, new years and all that, but you got two hours a day, three hours a day or however long practice where you, you know, you have to go to practice. You have to be prepared. You have to have a schedule. Um, you, you, you need to prepare for the next team, whether you're, you know, watching a film Christmas night, you know, after everyone's kind of gone to bed or kind of things settled down. I mean, you got to, you just got to, you, you got to keep on going, but you do miss that. You, you do miss that family time. You know, I mean, I, I haven't skied in like five or six years. Um, and, and I, we want to start to take our daughter skiing. Uh, and hopefully we'll get a chance to do that in the next couple of weeks or whatnot. But that's something that you you want to do. You know, a lot of you here, I'll be, Oh, I'm going to go skiing this weekend, or I'm going to do that. It, it's a tall, it's a tall bird, you know, and especially when, you know, your wife works, uh, you know, full time, you know, it's, you got to find, you know, thank God for my, my in-laws and my parents, it, it, they're, it, they're there, you know, to help out. And um, whenever they, whenever they, whenever they need to be. So it's a big sacrifice. It's a, it's a huge, cause you're, you're constantly doing things. Even, even when you are home with them, when you're spending time with them, you're like, I got to watch this film on this next team, or I gotta, I gotta study oh, yeah. my notes. You know, I, you know, I, I gotta look over what happened here. I, I, I cause you have to get the kids ready. You don't want to go into a practice, not prepared because the kids will see that. Oh, and when the kids sense. see that, then they're like, well, he doesn't care, you know, so why should we care? And you don't, you don't, you don't want to get into that situation. So there's, there's a lot of sacrifices with it, but they're good sacrifices. And long as you keep that idea that, you know, family is the most important thing, you know, and, and your family accepts it, you know, with what you do, then you're going to be all right. You're going to make it, you know, but it, it is, it is a big sacrifice because I mean, I would love to, you know, do some more like two vacations, you know, you obviously with COVID, you can't do that, you know, but you know, go away for February vacation or go away for, you know um, you know, for, for Christmas or whatever. You know, February vacation comes as a varsity coach, this, you know, postseason tournament. So you go in the, those tournaments, you're watching other games. You, I mean, February vacation, I'm driving all over, you know, South, Southern Massachusetts for going to scout a game. You know, I mean, I went down to North Attleboro last year and next year with the new alignment, I mean, heck, I could have to go all the way out, you know, West to watch a game play. Um, with you know having the four divisions and and that's a big sacrifice too um is the, the travel time and and a lot of people don't understand the travel time you know this year obviously you can't scout but you can you know when they stream things but you can't go to the gym but it, it's a major major time commitment yeah absolutely and and you said just those small things there's nothing like going to see a team live versus mm-hmm. watching it on film i remember my wife yep. like well you have the film I'm like yeah but you don't see their size and you don't see their speed and you mm-hmm. kind of just need that eye look to really see what like how you compare to them in a lot of different ways so yeah that's in i know for us when i coach Childs academy we're driving the Braintree, we're driving the peabody we're driving the brockton to see spell i mean where you know we're seeing those teams all over it's not an easy drive so I, I totally feel what you're saying on that and get it and, and it is a big sacrifice and that's why i bring up the coaches because i think it's important for you to be able to say that and say yeah this this is a lot. I mean, I got to go apple picking with my kids this year. I couldn't even tell you the last time I went apple. I mean, mm-hmm. I probably was a kid, you know, and I mm-hmm. couldn't do that in the fall because it's just not there, you know. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So, but I, I want to thank you for coming on. This was great to have you. We, we do one last segment in the show. It's called a two minute drill. And I just fire a bunch of fun, rapid fire questions. I get great feedback from the coaches on this um, pertaining to the game of basketball. So I'm going to set the two minute timer and, and, and away we go. So let's do this. Uh, here we go. So um, toughest place you played in as, your, as a coach, like toughest away game that you guys have, and what gym is always rocking? Oh, boy. There's, there's so many. Um, I, you know, it, 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 it always – Hingham, you know, is a, tough, is a tough place to get into when you go there. Um, it's just, it just – it's unbelievable. Rockland, you know, usually is, is, is a pretty – I mean, there's so, there, there's so many. But, but, I mean, I think – oh, God, toughest place – uh boy i i don't even, i i would have to say it's more you know with in the in the tournaments you know with the tournaments those they're just so tough to play going to norwood last year was just the, the environment's awesome there's nothing better right. than that kind of environment it's just great it, it pumps you up it gets you going but it's tough to play on the road, you know, and then when you get to the semifinals, you know, when you used to be at Massasoit, we were there for those two years and with the, the kids from both schools chanting, it's just, Oh man, it's, it's cool. Atmosphere. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. Cool. <laughs> um, what would you say? Who's the toughest coach that you've gone against in your coaching career? Like someone who just knows you pretty well. There's quite, there's quite a few. I, uh, Jeff Brett, he was a Quincy coach. Um, he, he's a very well, he's a very good coach. Um, went against him, you know, many, many times. And I go back to him with myself. Uh, but he knows, he studies the game. He knew what we were doing. He's a, he's a real tough coach to go up against. Uh, God, there's so many good coaches out there that, you know, that, that just the, the, the Patriot League and even South Shore League, Mal Lannan Cotton, she was a great coach. Uh, Diana Mitchell's a good coach for the, you know, these are some, some Rockland, um, you know, players. But um, yeah, I would, I mean, you know, Eugene, you know, Bazinski at Hingham, he's, he, he's a, he's a tough coach. Tim, uh, God, I could go on and on and on. I don't know if there's one particular coach. There's, there's it's, just it's a hard question. I yeah, get it. it is. It is. <laughs> and you don't want to insult anybody because you've had so many great games. You've been right. coaching for so long. And when you probably get off this call, you're going to be like, Oh yeah, this coach was hard too. And that, you know, yeah. you'll, you'll think of three or four more. Yeah. I totally get it. Um, yeah. What would you say is the biggest uh, victory in your coaching career? What was win number one? That was like the best win for you. So, so, yeah, I mean, I would probably think that that, you know, the, the first win obviously is like the best is the best win. Um, but, you know, I, I, fortunately I'm in a different position having that undefeated season. So that win at Hingham to go 20 and all, I, I would have to say that that's by far the best win, you know, just to, just to, to see the kids, the celebration into that accomplishment, that's got to be one of the best wins, you know, of, of my career. And definitely. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, if, if you had a style to play all game on defensively, if you just had the horses to play it, what would you play defensively all game long? Oh, uh, be in your face, you know, in your Jersey, man to man, full court, you know, you aren't going anywhere. Don't push us around. We're going to push you around. You, you're not going to want us. You're, you're going to want to, you're going to want to, you're going to want to punch us in the face. <laughs> that now, kind of defense. That's... Speaking on that line, who's the best defensive player you think you've ever coached? Oh, um, boy, you know, I have some good, I have some good defenders. Stephanie Flynn was a great defender. Um, she was a great defender. 
Um, I have a girl this year, Claire Conley. She's a very good defender. Uh, oh man, there's, there, there's a couple, those are the two that I can think of off the, off the top. I mean, they're, they're kind of just shut down and then they've gotten so better. Claire Conley is my senior, one of my senior captains this year. And she's you now not a big scorer, but man, her defense is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. That's the stuff I love. Like, yeah. like special teams kids I used to have on teams that would just like love being on it and be the yeah. first one in on every tackle. And you just like, Oh, eat it yeah. up. And, yeah, those awesome. are the kids you remember. Yeah. Um, yep. uh, and, and the last question I'll ask you is what, what was the biggest piece of advice or the biggest thing you've taken from your dad in the coaching world that you've kind of brought into your program? Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. It, and, it, you know, it's make the program yours. Do what you think is the best. And know this. It may not work but keep going at it because you're going to get it, you, you know, and, and you got to just keep on experimenting. Don't get down on yourself if it doesn't work because there is a tomorrow, the sun does come up the next day. You're going to get, you know, and just learn from it. I, awesome. I would definitely have to say that is uh, that's near and dear to my heart because it's true. It's true. You're going to have some bad seasons, some good seasons, some good games, some know that there's always another there's always another day <laughs> you yeah. know it might be the end of the world losing that but there's always another day and you can you can make up for it but yeah definitely that awesome well coach you survived the two-minute drill i uh, made it through it so that's great and i want to thank you for coming on here today you know i really do my research with coaches and really try to find coaches out there that have unique stories or just been doing something for so long and successful and when i came across you i honestly didn't even know about your dad until i really started doing the research <laughs> so you know i solely found you based off of your accolades and and we've read them off i mean you do a great job you run a great program and i was really lucky to, to, to have you on here today so thank you for agreeing to come on here Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I mean, this this has been great. Um, you know, I'm happy to do it, and uh, you know, thanks for recognizing me too. Uh, you know, it's 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 a uh, it's a nice thing, and what you do is is great. You know, I've listened to some of your podcasts, and uh, you know, I was really excited about this. And you know, I was kind of looking forward, had this date circle, really looking forward to this having this conversation, and hopefully, we can you know maybe get a chance to do it again. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. You know, I, I have I'll tell you, I have a great alumni of this show that are super supportive. I mean, send me texts. I still talk to a lot of them. A lot of them I was chatting with during, you know, Tom Brady, just being Tom Brady, you know, the, yeah. these coaches texting me and, uh, and it, it's cool to have a great relationship with them. So I definitely plan on keeping in touch with you and following yeah. you guys and, and definitely having you back on at some point too, um, great. Great. which would be awesome. So from beyond uh, podcast, I'm your host, Anthony Petrellis. Uh, thanks for coming on again. Uh, tremendous, tremendous coach. And, and we look forward to following you in the feature uh, till next time, guys. Thanks so much.